broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And hello, Las Vegas, everyone listening everywhere around the planet or elsewhere. It's great to have you. Great to have you with us. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Monday is my Saturday. I had a great, great, very productive day. Cleaned out a closet, went swimming, watched Iron Man 3. I actually watched the entire Iron Man trilogy over the course of this past week. And I think the third one might be the best one, actually. I hadn't watched them in a long time. And I watched them and I thought, hmm, number three might be the best one. I don't know. I don't know. But anyhow, thanks to those of you who helped with we had a, a very busy week here at Liberty uh, this past weekend in particular with our Ultimate Teen Challenge on Friday night. Really fantastic turnout for that. I believe there were about 36 young people that accepted Christ that evening, which is just uh, phenomenal. And then on Saturday, we had our uh, we had Bible Club over at Cornerstone, and we did a kickoff for our Bible Club, which will be starting at the Avery Park Apartment Complex this Saturday. We had, I believe, over 50 people out at Avery Park, a lot of kids, and uh, looking forward to what's going to happen there. And then, of course, church on Sunday was great. As always, appreciate all of you who volunteer and give your time and uh, and help us do these events and impact our community. What you're doing makes a difference. You're showing people the love of Jesus. And I don't remember who said it, but for a lot of people, you're the only Bible they'll ever read. You're the only Jesus they'll ever see. And so when we do these events, it's not it's not so we can give out hot dogs and give out PS4s for free. That's just a fun sidebar. But what we're doing is we're being Jesus in our community. We're being the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And we appreciate all those of you who give up your time and your day off or days off to help make that possible. Um, so we got, we have to start the show on a very, very somber topic. I, I hate when we have to have this conversation and I hate how often we have to have this conversation. You say, well, hate's a very strong word. Yes, it is. And I hate what we are about to discuss, because what we're about to discuss is, of course, the terror attack last night in Manchester at a concert that was packed full of young children and their parents. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't be, it would be just as tragic if it was a stadium full of adults. But to me, I, I think it requires a very particular evil to attack a venue where you know the majority of the people there are children. 
But CBS News has updated the latest on the investigation into Manchester concert bombing. Uh, They've confirmed that the man who blew himself up last night at the Ariana Grande concert in Manchester, England, was 23-year-old Salman Abedi, who was known to British authorities prior to the attack. In a generic statement posted online, the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria claimed responsibility for Abadi's suicide bomb attack, which left 22 people dead, including children, at one of the entrances to the Manchester Arena. Officials said one man was arrested Tuesday in southern Manchester in connection with the attack and urged people to avoid the center of the city as operations continued. Police and British Prime Minister Theresa May made it clear the focus of the investigation was to determine whether the bomber was acting alone or was part of a wider group. ISIS issued its claim of responsibility in a brief generic statement that did not identify the bomber and appeared to get some of the facts of the attack wrong. It claimed a caliphate soldier managed to place a number of devices among a gathering of crusaders in Manchester and detonated them. But officials say there was only one explosion and there have been no indications that other devices were discovered at or near the arena. U.S. intelligence sources told CBS News they were exercising caution on the early claim of responsibility from ISIS. Authorities are still looking into whether it was a killer who acted alone or who might have had some level of support from the terror network. U.S. intelligence officials were offering assistance in the investigation as is standard practice in any case involving a close ally. ISIS has repeatedly called for its supporters in the West to attack soft targets like sports events and concerts in any way possible. Previous attacks in Europe and the U.S. have been claimed uh, by individuals who support ISIS and have made contact with its members, but who were not directly supported or guided by the terror network. Manchester police confirmed the arrest of a 23-year-old man in the southern part of the city on Tuesday morning. They also said there was at least one controlled explosion carried out at the scene of a raid. The suspect taken into custody today was not identified, but police said the arrest was linked to the bombing. Witnesses said the man was smiling as he was apprehended. The bomb was designed to kill and maim as many people as possible. Many of the survivors suffered suffered shrapnel wounds and ball bearings were found at the scene. There was security at the concert, but the bomber apparently didn't try to get into the venue, instead blowing himself up in an entrance foyer area as concert goers flooded out of the arena. Prime Minister May said the attacker had deliberately chosen his time and place to cause maximum carnage in the young crowd. On the young crowd, the first victims identified in the attack were an 8 and I believe a 19-year-old girl. Uh, 22 Fox News is reporting that 22 people were killed, including an 8-year-old girl in the explosion at the end of Grande's concert, which was part of her Dangerous Woman tour. 12 seriously injured children were among the 59 people taken to the hospital. Authorities in Manchester said it appeared to be one attacker. Um, The names of the victims are being released as authorities continue to investigate the attack. Uh, Two that we know of are uh, Georgina Callender, age 18, Calendar was described by her friends as an Ariana Grande superfan. She was the first victim identified. Rushaw College, where Calendar was a student, confirmed the news on social media in a statement. They said it is with enormous sadness that it appears that one of the people who lost their lives in Monday's Manchester attack was one of our students here at Rushaw College. Georgina Calendar was a former Bishop Rothstorn pupil studying with us on the second year of her health and social care course. Our deepest sympathies, thoughts, and prayers go out to all of Georgina's friends, family, and all of those affected by this loss. The other known victim is Safi Rose Russos, age 8. 
Chris Upton, head teacher at Tarleton Community Primary School, confirmed Russo's death to Sky News. He said Russo's was simply a beautiful little girl in every aspect of the word. News of Safi's death in this appalling attack has come as a tremendous shock to all of us, and I would like to send our deepest condolences to all of her family and her friends. Uh, what do you, what do you say when something like this happens? And obviously the first thing should be that, that our thoughts and most especially our prayers are with this community and with the families of those, particularly the families of those that have lost their young children that we have, it's either 12 or 14 children seriously injured in this thing. But, you know, while we say that, and we should definitely be in prayer for these families, there are other people around the world who are rejoicing at the fact that young children were just brutally murdered last night at a concert in a Western country. And so while our first thought should be with the families and our prayers should go out to them it can't that can't be all we do <laughs> this isn't going to stop unless someone stops it okay let's take a look back shall we just just in the last uh, two years okay so from 2015 until now we had the Charlie Hebdo attack in Paris, which killed 17 people. We had the Denmark attack in February of 2015. He killed two and wounded five police officers. These are, these are solely incidents which the Islamic State has taken credit for, by the way. Then uh, twice in Paris in August and in November, we had three Americans at the center of an attempted mass shooting in Paris in August, and then a series of coordinated terror attacks in November of 2015 killed 130 people and injured hundreds more. Then in December of 2015, San Bernardino, a married couple shot and killed 14 people. In January of 2016, in Philadelphia, a police officer shot and wounded. man claimed he was working for ISIS. In January 2016, in Marseille, France, a teenager attacked a Jewish teacher with a machete, saying he did it for the Islamic State. In March of 2016, in Belgium, two suicide bombings, one at the Brussels airport, another in the subway system. Those attacks combined killed 32 people. In June of 2016, in Orlando at the nightclub, Omar Mateen killed 50 people, pledged allegiance to ISIS on a 911 call. In Nice, France, in July, 77 people killed when a truck drove through a crowd on Bastille Day. In Normandy, same month, July, last year, two men took five people hostage during a mass at a church where that elderly priest was killed. Remember that? Then President François Hollande said the man carried out the attack in the name of ISIS. In October last year, in Hamburg, Germany, a lone wolf knife attack killed one teenager. At Ohio State in November of last year, Abdul Razak Ali Artan ran his car into a group of students and slashed people with a butcher knife. The Islamic State called him a brave soldier. 
December of last year. At a Christmas market in Germany, a large truck plowed through central Berlin, killing 12 and injuring 48 others. In February of this year, the Louvre knife attack. Machete-wielding man yelling, Allahu Akbar, attacked soldiers in a shopping mall. He was shot and later wounded. And wounded. <coughs> in March of this year, you had the Westminster Bridge attack. Five people, including a lender police officer who was stabbed and the perpetrator, were killed. More than 40 people injured outside the Parliament building. ISIS claimed responsibility. In April of this year, in St. Petersburg, suicide bombing. On the subway in Russia's second largest city killed more than a dozen passengers and injured dozens more. The Stockholm truck attack in April of this year. Five people killed when a truck driven by a man drove into a pedestrian shopping street and department store in Sweden's capital city, wounding over a dozen individuals. A 39-year-old man who committed those crimes admitted to being a member of ISIS and told police that he had achieved what he set out to do. In April... We're still in April of this year. The Champs-Elysses attack in Paris. An attacker got out of a car and fired an automatic weapon at a parked police van, killing the officer inside before shooting at others standing on the nearby sidewalk, injuring two before he was shot and killed by police. The Islamic State claimed responsibility for that attack as well. And now here we are, May 2017, with an attack on children in Manchester, England. And of that list that I read you, that's not extensive. These are just Western countries. If we went into what was happening in Israel, what's happening in Africa, what's happening around the world, terror is a very real and present danger that we live with. But of the ones that I mentioned in particular, of the tax on Western nations, we could, we could throw Israel in here, we could throw much of the violence in the Middle East into what I'm about to say. But there's a common theme. There's a common thread through all of it. And that is that the individuals that are perpetrating these horrific acts are claiming to do so on behalf of their God. As soldiers of the Islamic State. And we are continually told over and over and over again that Islam is a religion of peace and that these individuals are simply perverting a peaceful religion. The problem with that is that if you look at every other religion in the world, which would also claim to be a religion of peace, whether that be Buddhism or Hinduism or Mormonism or Christianity, there is no pattern such as what we see with Islam. There is no other religion of quote-unquote peace whose adherents are regularly, apparently, flying off the handle and killing people. Why is that? Because these individuals aren't simply flying off the handle and losing their minds and killing people. No, they're doing so because they believe, they believe that this is what God wants them to do and that this is his will and destiny for their lives and that if they perform these heinous acts, that they will be rewarded in heaven for them. That is just fundamental truth. It's in the Quran. You can read it for yourself. The Quran contains at least 109 verses 
that call Muslims to war with non-believers for the sake of Islamic rules. Some of these things are, are horrifically graphic. There's commands to chop off heads and chop off fingers and kill infidels wherever they may be hiding. And infidels, by the way, is anyone who doesn't adhere to the tenets of Islam. Anyone. Unlike the Old Testament, because this is another argument, well, well, the God of the Old Testament, he commanded Israel to do horrible things. You can't, you can't differentiate between the Christian God and the Jewish God and the Islamic God because they're all like this. No, no, because unlike nearly all of the Old Testament verses where violence was included uh, and was specific for a specific time, most verses of violence in the Quran are open-ended meaning that they're not restrained by historical context contained in the surrounding text. No, in the Quran, they're part of this eternal truth and are just as relevant today as they were whenever Muhammad decided to write them down. Now, obviously, not all Muslims adhere to this strict interpretation of the Quran, because if they did, the rest of us probably would not be here. So obviously this isn't something that's necessarily the, the overriding force or driving force behind Islam in all of Islam. But you cannot say that Islam is a peaceful religion when we have this pattern over and over and over again that says anything but. Not to mention when you look at the Quran and you realize these people aren't doing this because they're going crazy and misinterpreting their, uh, their holy book. It's because they're simply taking a literal interpretation of said book. Quran 2, 191 through 193 says, quote, Kill them wherever you find them and turn them out from where they have turned you out. And al-fitna, which is disbelief, uh, is worse than killing. If they desist, then lo, Allah is forgiving and merciful, but fight them until there is no more fitna, which is disbelief or worshiping others uh, besides Allah. Worship is for Allah alone. But if they cease, let there be no transgression against, except against al-az-zalimun against the wrongdoers. Quran 2, 244. Then fight in the cause of Allah and know that Allah heareth and knoweth all things. Quran 2, 216. Fighting is prescribed for you and you dislike it, but it is possible that you dislike a thing which is good for you and that you love a thing which is bad for you, but Allah knows and you know not. Quran 356. As to those who reject faith, I will punish them with terrible agony in this world and in the hereafter, nor will they have anyone to help. Quran 3, 151. Soon shall we cast terror into the hearts of the unbelievers, for that they joined companions with Allah, for which he had sent no authority. Quran 4, 74. Let those fight in the way of Allah who sell the life of this world for the other. Whoso fighteth in the way of Allah, be he slain or be he victorious, on him shall we bestow a vast reward. 
Omicron 489. They but wish that you should reject faith as they do and thus be this in the same footing as they. But take not friends from their ranks until they flee in the way of Allah from that which is forbidden. But if they turn renegades, seize them and slay them wherever ye find them. And take no friends or helpers from their ranks. Quran 495. Not equal are those of the believers who sit at home except those who are disabled by injury or are blind or lame. And those who strive hard and fight in the cause of Allah with their wealth and their lives. Allah has preferred in grades those who strive hard and fight with their wealth and their lives above those who sit at home. Unto each Allah has promised paradise, but Allah has preferred those who strive hard and fight above those who sit at home. Quran hmm. 533. The punishment of those who wage war against Allah and his messenger, which would be Muhammad, and strive to make mischief in the land is only this, that they should be murdered or crucified, or their hands and their feet should be cut off on opposite sides, or they should be imprisoned. This shall be as a disgrace for them in this world, and in the hereafter they shall have grievous chastisement. Quran 8.12, I will cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieve. Therefore, strike off their heads and strike off every fingertip of them. Quran 839, and fight with them, the infidels, until there is no more fitna, which is unbelief, and religion is all for Allah. Quran 8, 59 through 60. Let not those who disbelieve suppose they can outstrip Allah's purpose. Lo, they cannot escape. Make ready for them all thou canst of armed force and of horses tethered, that thereby ye may dismay the enemy of Allah and your enemy. And it goes on and on and on and on. There are over 100 verses calling for adherents of Islam to fight against those who do not believe, to wage war against them, to do incredibly evil, despicable things to unbelievers. And commendation for all those who do. And it's disparaging towards those who do not. If you don't do these things, you are less of a believer. If you do them, great rewards await you in heaven. This is what the Quran teaches. And so if you take a hard line, literal interpretation of the Quran, this is what you end up with. You end up with people who believe that they are doing God's work by brutally killing anyone who disagrees with them. And until we recognize, this is why, you know, people say, well, what's the big deal if you call it Islamic terror? It's just, it's terror. No, because if we don't understand that it's an ideology and an incorrect belief system that is driving this, you, you can't stop it. You, you will never stop a belief system with bullets. Now, you might stop their actions, but we have to change minds. We have to change hearts because what we're fighting against is not simply people that are shooting bullets at us or setting off crockpots or, or using weapons. No, what we are fighting against is a belief system. 
And until we recognize that the reason these people are doing this is not because uh, they think... It's not because they think the American way of life is bad. And we can get into a whole discussion about that. But the, the core of this is, yeah, sure, they don't like it. Maybe that our women's heads aren't covered. But why is that? Because it stands in opposition to their belief system. And their belief system says, if they don't believe what we believe, then your job is to kill them. Or, you know, just start cutting off body parts until they agree with you, and then Allah will forgive them, and you can let them live. So we have to understand why people are doing this. It's, it's not enough to simply say, oh, we're going to go bomb some caves, and then this will end. No, it won't. Because Satan has blinded the eyes and... and, and deceived a huge percentage of the world's population with this falsehood that we call Islam. Unless we think, well, this is just something, you know, that's happening, you know, in the in the Middle East and it's not it's not really that bad here. It's not going to get worse. I mean sure we have these incidents you know, here and there, but it's always, that's just, it's the way, it's the world we live in. And did you know that today, is it today or yesterday? Yesterday, we learned that a Florida murder suspect, the reason he killed his roommates is because he says they disrespected Islam. A man in Florida, Fox News reported this, a man in Florida who claimed to be a neo-Nazi convert told police he murdered his two roommates at their apartment because they disrespected his Islamic faith. The suspect, 18-year-old Devin Arthurs, mentioned Allah Muhammad during his arrest in Tampa on Friday night. He led police to the bodies after he released two customers and an employee he'd taken hostage at a nearby smoke shop. Arthurs claimed he was angry at the world's anti-Muslim sentiments he told police i quote i had to do it this wouldn't have had to happen if your country didn't bomb my country adding that he claimed he and his roommates shared neo-nazi beliefs before he converted to islam the police report which the Tampa Bay Times had obtained, described the moments when Arthurs allegedly took hostage at the smoke shop. Investigators said he flashed a semi-automatic pistol and yelled at the customers, um, said some obscenities, and then told the customers, why shouldn't I kill you? This is what you're fighting. You're fighting a people that aren't saying, oh, we should live in peace. You're fighting a people that are saying, why shouldn't we kill you? So then, wh- how do you answer that question, then? You say, well, because you shouldn't kill us because that's wrong. Alright. Now, now what you've done is you said that there's a moral code. 
Because if something is wrong, then something else is right. And if something is right and something is wrong, someone has to determine the difference between the two and who determines what is wrong and what is right. Who sets that moral code? Because if you say, well, it's, why shouldn't you kill us? You shouldn't kill us because killing is wrong. Why is killing wrong? And in what circumstances killing wrong? See, we've, our culture has become so twisted and so warped because we've decided that we can have character outside of Christ. We've decided that we can have morality without the gospel and without the law of God. And so we've said, well, we'll take God out of the picture, but we still expect you to behave and to adhere to this system of morality that we have decided is our own, but God is not really a part of it. So, okay, then tell me, how do you answer this question? When we have radical Islam, which really... I don't even think you need the term radical. I think you could use the term literal. When you have those who interpret Islam literally, let's say, why shouldn't we kill you? And we say, well, because that would be wrong. Well, why is that wrong? That's wrong in your moral code, but according to their moral code, it is right. It is not only right, it is good, and it is pleasing to their God if they kill you. Ah, all right. Now... Now, see, we're getting somewhere. So their system of morality says it's right for them to kill you. You're saying, well, it's wrong for you to kill me. Why? I'll tell you why. And the only reason that you will find as a why is because God says so. The true God, Jehovah, the God of the Bible Because it's only the God of the Bible that claims, not only claims, but is, the creator of every human life. And who has created every human life on purpose, with a purpose. So if you say, well, it's wrong for you to kill. You have to have a reason. You have to have a why. Why is it wrong? Because to the man who believes in Allah and literally interprets the Quran, which tells him, if they don't believe what you believe, then you kill them and you're doing God a service. What differentiates you from him? What sets apart and says, no, it's wrong for you to behave in this way. It's wrong for you to murder innocent people. It's a moral code. That moral code is found in the Bible and with the God of the Bible. That's where the difference lies. And so that's why when people say, well, it's not, we need to get away from calling it Islamic terrorism. It's just terrorism and we're creating issues. No, what the, we're creating issues by pretending like Islam has nothing to do with these terror attacks. We have to stop being so politically correct that we're afraid to say that there is a huge, significant difference between Islam and every other religion in the world because Islam is the only belief system that teaches its people and Muhammad is the only uh, prophet or religious founder that teaches his adherents to kill those who disagree with him. And with them. 
It's the belief system is where the difference lies. And so until we are willing to acknowledge that there's a problem with the belief system, with the world of view, and recognize that we better have a solid worldview on our side, a solid belief system on our side, lest we fall to the same in the future. This isn't going to stop. We need people who will change the worldview, who will change the belief system, because until we change what people believe, we won't change their behavior. And stories like what we saw in Manchester will continue to happen. And innocent lives will continue to be taken. And it's tragic. But it's just the way it is. Because we, we live in a world that has rejected God and said, uh, we know better than God. And by God, I mean Jehovah. I mean the God of the Bible. I mean Jesus. We don't need him. We'll put him over there. We've got things covered. Well, clearly, clearly we don't. We need God. We were never meant to live on this planet without him. And we cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace outside of Jesus Christ. And everything outside of Jesus Christ is outside of peace. We'll be back in just a few minutes. All right, so, you know, I thought about saying, apologizing for the heaviness of the first segment there, but I just, I, I read things like this, all right? Here's, a, here's another headline related to last night. This is from the Express in the UK. There are around 3,500 suspected terrorists in the UK, but powers to monitor them are being used less than they were in 2015. So, you... We have governments in the West, including our own, including those in in England and in Germany and in France, that know how many times we see this over and over again. Suspect, or suspect rather, suspect was known to authorities. How many times have we read that when these things happen? And obviously there's, there's this disconnect somewhere. But then you you look at it and you go, there's thirty five thousand potent or it's not thirty five hundred known potential terrorists in the UK right now. Right now. And then you have to look at the at the British police force and you go, is do, do they even have enough? If if all they did was go around trying to capture these guys, would they be able to do anything else? So there's a limit on what our governments can do or will do, and I'm, I'm not going to get into the politics of all that today, but it's highly alarming to me. And I don't know if it's political correctness. I'm sure to some degree it is. I'm sure, on the other hand, it's, it's not. And, and again, we could get into all of that. We could debate both sides of it, but I'm not going to. Point being, the reason I wanted to 
discuss the side of it that we discussed at the beginning of the show is because when it comes down to it, no matter how great your country is, you will never be able to stop every act of terrorism. Because if somebody wants to commit evil like this, they're going to figure out a way to do it. Now, yes, will we thwart and have we thwarted many such attacks? Yes, and I am thankful and grateful for a police department and FBI and uh, our homeland security and, and a president who is willing to call Islamic terror what it is and who is willing to, to stand up and protect us and do the job that government is intended to do. I'm very grateful that we have in place, the systems that we have in place. But no matter how good they are, they will never be able to stop every bad thing from happening. And that's where it goes back to the problem, the root cause of the problem being a warped, perverted belief system. And the greater need than security being individuals who are willing to stand up and share truth with those who are living in this in this warped frustrated sick belief system well, that's not that's not an easy thing to do you know think about what are you saying are you saying we need more missionaries to to those who are of the Muslim faith, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying we need missionaries that are willing to go to the Middle East, that are willing to put their lives on the line and, and reach people who, if they're taking a hardline stance, quite simply just want you dead and believe that you should be dead. And I think that the world that we're living in kind of makes it easier to understand Jonah, Right? So, I think oftentimes we read the book of Jonah and we're like, Jonah, you're so dumb, buddy. Just do what God wants you to do. Just go to Nineveh. What is your issue, pal? Why do you think that it is better for you to die than to do what God wants you to do? Why would you rather kill yourself than do what God wants you to do? It's really, it's not that bad. God just wants you to go talk to these people. Come on. What's your problem? But we fail to recognize the dynamics between Israel and Nineveh. I mean, this is basically like God saying, all right, I want you guys to walk into uh, into Syria. I want you to find uh, the head of ISIS. And I uh, want you to go let him know that I, I would like for him to repent. Now, what would you think if God asked you to do that? Would you maybe climb in a boat and sail the opposite direction? I... I don't feel like my first thought would be, praise Jesus, let me go and, and do that right now. No problem. I don't think that would be my first thought. I think I would have more of a Jonah reaction if I'm being really honest, because I'm a human just like Jonah was. But that's that's what this world needs right now. Because you you, you don't change a belief system with bullets. You change a belief system with Jesus Christ. And again, like I said, you can stop the, the actions of a particular belief system with some bullets, but that won't that won't 
solve the problem permanently. All right. So much heaviness. I feel the show is just super heavy today. We got to get something something a little lighter in here. Let me uh let me pull up a story that will make will make things less uh dramatic. <laughs> and we'll we'll talk about some good news here in just a minute. Let's play uh let's play Chris Tomlin with Jesus and then we'll be back in just a minute and we'll 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 end the show on a on a brighter, happier note. I promise. All right, so the good news is this. The good news is that Jesus Christ loves us, died for us, lives for us, and is waiting every day for us to talk with him, to have a relationship with him. How awesome is that, that the God of the universe wants us to have a relationship with him and cares about what we're going through on a daily basis. And no matter what's happening in the world, that fact doesn't change. And how much do we have to be grateful for? I mean, beginning with salvation and then go take... If you're listening to this right now, you're most likely living in a place where you have hot running water just by turning on a faucet. Where you have electricity just by flipping a switch. Where you have access to the internet at nominal cost. You can literally educate yourself about anything, learn how to do anything... I took apart my car door the other day. My my window was my this window switch it just just popped off. Just was like, all right, I'm done. It's it's over. <laughs> and I was able to Google how to f- buy a new one and and replace it. And I was able to take my window apart and put it back together. Save myself a lot of money because I have access to Google and the internet. And yeah, the internet can be used for bad things. And we need to know what's happening. We need to be educated about what's going on in the world and about how we can keep our family from evil and from exposure to things that they shouldn't be exposed to. But we can't forget that there's still a lot of good things happening in our country and in the world and in our lives every day. And we should not forget to say thank you to the giver of every Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So be sure to thank God today for the things that he's blessed you with, no matter how big or how small. And here is a, is a lighthearted story to send you on the, your way, because I know today was, was a pretty heavy show. Um, AOL.com is reporting that there is a new invention on the market to help keep sharks at bay. There are apparently now shark repellent bands. Shark repellent bands. I don't exactly know how this thing works. I thought this was going to be an article that told me about them, but it's not. It's actually a video, which I cannot um, watch because I am on the radio with you. So I'm trying to look this up real quick. So it's they're called shark bands. Let's see here. 
They're roughly $70. They are called a proven shark deterrent. Um, what does no one have actual information on what these bands are? You can get them on Amazon. I'm looking at them on Amazon right now, but I cannot find a description of how they work or what they do. It just as it's a proven all right, shark bands. Surely they have a website. Let's see. Ready? Sharkbands.com. It's bands with a Z. No. GoDaddy says that that website is available. Maybe if these become a big thing, one of you should invest in it. All right, here we go. The science, how it works. They do have a website. It's sharkbands.com, bands with a Z, B-A-N-Z. This is an active shark deterrent. Shark bands patented magnetic technology is the result of long-term... No, I would not like $10 off any purchase today. X out. Shark bands is a product uh, resulting from a long-term ongoing scientific studies and testing. It utilizes powerful permanent magnets to... to create an effective shark deterrence that's always on and requires no batteries or charging. When sharks approach shark bands, they detect the device's strong electromagnetic field, which provides a sudden sensation that is thousands of times stronger than the signal produced by anything in a shark's normal food chain. Consequently, sharks are deterred away from shark bands. This this cause and effect is analogous to having a bright light suddenly shine in your eyes in a dark room. You would not be hurt, but you would want to turn away. All right, so how this works. Sharks have the strongest electroreception or sensitivity to electrical fields in the animal kingdom. They use this unique ability to navigate at night when in murky water and to hunt. Their electroreceptors and lateral line canals connect to the seawater by pores on their snouts and other zones of their head. So when a fish swims or even moves moves its gills, it creates a change in the surrounding geomagnetic field that sharks can detect with these electrically sensitive gel-filled canals. Since the shark is tuned to be looking for very weak electromagnetic signals from its prey, this organ is highly sensitive. When encountered in the wild, the shark band's field is exponentially greater than anything the animal will have experienced before and highly unpleasant. This tells the shark it is definitely not food. So basically, here's what happens. Sharks are on the prowl and they're looking for small electromagnetic signals. This signals to them that either I've got small fish, a.k.a. food, or wounded animal, a.k.a. food. When they get a strong electromagnetic response, they're going, this thing is bigger than me and mighty me. Therefore, I should leave. This is really quite brilliant. You should go, you should check this thing out. They tested this. So they went out into shark-infested waters. I don't understand people that do these things, but I'm glad that they do because then we get cool inventions like shark bands, which can get sharks away from us. You can check it out. Seriously, it's a thing. Shark bands. Bands with a Z. S-H-A-R-K-B-A-N-Z. You can strap this thing on yourself and it will deter sharks from you in the water. Now, I wonder how this works with other things, though. Like, if you're going snorkeling, do I want to be wearing one of these things, or do I not want to be wearing one of these things? Because obviously, I don't want to have any sharks that are my friends, but will this also scare away the cool fish that I do want to see, or the sea turtles that I do want to see? I need to do, I need to do more research. But nevertheless, if you're just going to the ocean for a swim, 
I, I would consider investing in one of these things. I don't think $70 is too much to keep sharks away from me and my family. And that's all the time we have left for today. Thanks for being with us. You're listening to KBXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church. Our next service here at Liberty will be tomorrow night, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Our location is... 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard, and we would love to have you and your family join us. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a great day, everyone.